All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Grease the Wheels, your weekly technician podcast that comes out of the pie hole of your uncle, Jimmy. Hey, welcome to the Rock and Roll Garage. Grab a seat. We're going to turn the fan on and have a cold brew and do a little bitching about our jobs, about what we do, about our occupation, about the fucking people we have to work for. Oi, oi, oi. Hey, uh, before I get started, I just want to give you my uh, typical weekly uh, congratulations and thank yous and and uh, hearty, heartfelt appreciation for what you do out there. Everyone who is wielding tools in some sort of manner in which to fix things, make things run, make things go. I appreciate it. I have a nice, uh, nice air. You might even be able to hear it. I have some air conditioning working, and uh, I appreciate the people who fixed that. Although it took them a long fucking time, but hey, they got it done. They got it done. They got it done. And uh, sometimes repairs take a little bit of time. You have to figure out what's going on and uh, what's not going on. So anyway, either way, whatever it is you do, whatever it is you fix, whatever it is you uh, manufacture, assemble, fix, repair, build, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate all of your efforts, okay? I know that this planet is very shallow in its and I say planet, I mean the human beings on it is when I, what I mean. Uh, the human beings on this planet are very shallow and quick t- to complain and bitch and moan and and take a lot of shit for granted. Someday this shit will hit the fan and they'll be upset because the fan doesn't work and the shit's going to hit them. All right, moving forward. We are in the middle of a summer that is as hot as any summer I recall. And I happen to be... Uh, a, a few millimeters from the surface of the sun, so it's pretty hot where I'm at here in Texas. It's probably hot where you are. Uh, I just want to say a quick uh, quick word. Make sure that you stay hydrated, okay? Uh, plenty of water, plenty of juices. Uh, if you happen to work outdoors or in a shop that is not air-conditioned or climate-controlled and it's 100 degrees outside, you probably work for some people who aren't too fucking bright. I got to be honest with you because uh, I've worked in shops where I've been really, really hot. And when that happens, the productivity, my personal productivity and the productivity of the folks I work with falls right off a fucking cliff. When it's hot, you don't feel like doing anything. Guess what you're going to do? Nothing or as little as possible. Who wants to get overheated making money for some greedy fucking cocksucker who won't put air conditioning in the building i don't okay where i work it's uh air conditioned and uh it they're not killing anybody with how cold it is in there okay but it is cooler much by the way than the outside uh it starts off in the morning in the a.m when it's cool outside it's cool inside it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 72 73 74 degrees by the time we go to leave 5, 5.36 o'clock, it has climbed it to about 80 or 81. It feels kind of warm. And then you go outside and warm hits you in the face with a baseball fucking bat. And it's 105 degrees. And you're like, yeah, you know what? 80 degrees doesn't seem so fucking hot anymore. Uh, and I'm lucky. I feel personally that I'm lucky where I'm at because it's dry. Humidity is not very high where I'm at. And so we can tolerate a little higher temperature because it's dry, because it's a dry heat. And, and you know, a lot of people make fun of the fact that people say, well, it's a dry heat. And it's true. It is much more bearable than humidity, the, the crushing humidity of somewhere like Florida or the Northeast where I'm from. Uh, you, get, uh, you get a day where it's 90, 91, 92 
up north and the uh, humidity is somewhere in the 90 to 91 and 92 percent ratio and you are going to sweat it is going to stick on you like glue and you are going to feel disgusting and you're going to need to shower three times a day it's it's pretty it's pretty awful even though it's not nearly as hot as 100 or 105 it's wet it's very wet and uncomfortable so uh if you work in a shop and i want to i want to just say this to you real quick and then i'm going to move on to a couple of different other subjects if you work in a shop where there is really no air conditioning and it gets brutally hot like you know, a hundred or even ninety with a with a sharp uh, uh, with a very very uh, high humidity level, uh, that ruins your productivity. Okay, it, it it makes you very uncomfortable. It makes you hot. Makes you sticky. Makes you sweaty. Makes you not want to fucking work. Okay, if your uh, bosses, the people who own the company that you work for, or you know, if it's an auto group or whatever it is, uh, if they can't see fit to somehow try to put air conditioning into that building. Uh, then they're just missing. They're missing the point. They're missing. They're missing out on a business opportunity because if you are uh, in comfortable, like say in the fall or the spring when the temperature outside is a a nice crispy, you know, sixty five to seventy to seventy five degrees, where a human being can feel like they're not too hot and not too cold, you're going to be uh, extraordinarily productive in that type of a, a climate range and a temperature range. All right, and then when it gets much colder, uh, and because this swings both ways, boys and girls, if you have somebody who won't turn the heat on in the winter and you're freezing, here again, productivity falls off the face of the earth. And if you work for people who can't imagine how productivity would fall off when the temperature is either too high or too low, then you're just working for idiots, really. You're working for people who don't give a shit about you. You really need to have a talk with the people you work with if if it's so unbearable and it's un- and if it's unbearable for a long period of time and every year it's the same shit. Uh, they should really kind of get their shit together and then get uh, get you some uh, get you some climate control so that you can work comfortably and be productive to the maximum amount you possibly can. There we go. I finally got it out. That's what I was trying to say. Listen, if if you're not sweating to death or you're not freezing to death, you're working. You get more done when you're comfortable. That's as simple as it gets, okay? Now, here's one other thing I want to add real quick, and then we're going to change gears a little bit here. Uh, in a lot of states, in the United States anyway, and I it may or may not be true in other countries, and I apologize, I don't know, but in some states in this particular country, the United States, uh, they have laws that state if you work in an environment where you're subject to uh, a tremendous amount of heat or humidity or both, uh, that your employer has to provide you with hydration of some sort, be it water, Gatorade, whatever. It's kind of a law. And uh, some places I've found know it, know that that's a law, and know that that's something that they should do anyway. It's just a good idea to keep your employees hydrated. Uh, it helps maybe to increase their productivity somewhat. So it would just be a smart move. But what I found is some shops know that they're supposed to do it and do it. Some shops know they're supposed to do it and won't do it. And then there's other shops that don't know jack shit about what they're supposed to do and don't do jack shit. And really, those are the kind of shops that you should put in a rearview mirror. But, uh, you know, because after all, this is Grease the Wheels. That's what Grease the Wheel stands for. It's a metaphor for leaving somewhere, taking your toolbox with you, but greasing the wheels first. With that said, try to be cool. I know you're all cool. Uh, Try to stay cool. 
And, uh, you know, if you're going to work hard, definitely, definitely get yourself hydrated. It's very important. Uh, when you get dehydrated, it, uh, it, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky sort of scenario because a lot of times when you get dehydrated, you feel actually hungry when really you should be thirsty. Uh, try to keep that in mind and definitely get yourself some fluids that will, uh, rehydrate you. Uh, beer and alcohol really aren't the greatest liquids to rehydrate. I know that they're a lot of fun taken in certain quantities, but uh, we should try to indulge in them uh, a little less, I think, in some cases. All right, moving on here. I have found uh, some stuff online because that's what I do. That's how that's how I like to approach this. And I was thinking about other jobs that you as you and I, as uh, automotive mechanics, auto technicians, whatever you want to call yourself, I was looking for other job opportunities for us. Now, I know that a lot of us feel like we are pigeonholed into the jobs that we have. We feel like this is the only thing we can do. This is the only way we can make money. And there's no other, there was no other jobs for us. But let me tell you, I, I can't begin to tell you how absolutely completely untrue that is. Okay. Because I know people who have been auto mechanics and now own their own shops and they seem to do very well. Uh, yes, it's a lot of hard work, but they're not really technically auto mechanics anymore. They're businessmen and they run shops. And uh, uh, I've got a few uh, people that I know that have enjoyed an amazing amount of success running their own shop and uh, having people pay them instead of some other boss that they either have or had at one point in time. And, uh, you know, some of these some of these former technicians who own shops and run shops, they, they they might be great people to work for because they can see what's going on in the shop with a clear eye and with experience knowing exactly what the fuck is happening out there to you and all your fellow technicians. And, uh, you know, I would like to think that they would be uh, kind of, uh, you know, on your side, kind of have your best interest at heart. Because really, here comes another one of the uh, tried and true uh, grease the wheel sort of mantras. There's not a whole lot of mechanics out there. So if you're going to start your own shop, and you're going to spend a lot of time managing it and talking to customers and setting up accounts with vendors and 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 getting parts and maybe whatever else there is because I mean there's a million things you have to do to run a shop besides fixing them. So you're going to need mechanics and man they're fucking hard to find. They're hard to find, boys and girls. They're hard to find. They're just not out there. Yeah, you're going to get one here and there. And uh sometimes you got to wonder why they're actually out there looking for a job and sometimes it's not good. Sometimes, for all the wrong reasons that they're out there looking. Uh, what I found about this particular subject was I found two uh, two separate uh, pieces of content on the internet, if you will. One was written by Indeed, and it was uh, it's credited to the Indeed editorial team. And this is a team of people who should probably be taken out and beaten about the head and neck area because this is dumb. This is some dumb shit. And uh, I, I keep bringing you this stuff. And I feel kind of, I don't know, well, I feel all kinds of different things, boys and girls, but I feel, when I do this, I feel almost retarded because, I mean, this stuff is just dumb. It's really stupid. And I bring it to you to point out that nobody really knows what the fuck is going on with us. Nobody knows what we go through on a daily basis. Nobody knows what we do. Nobody knows how hard it is. Nobody knows how poorly were treated i mean you know it's 105 degrees out and the garage door is wide the fuck open and there ain't a cool breeze to be had for for miles 
You have to buy your own swamp cooler. You have to buy a fan, and you have to hope you can make it to the end of the day before you have a heat stroke. So these are these are things that people out there who don't do what we do, they don't know. They're not familiar with it at all, but they fucking think they are. And and it really, what they need to do is just shut the fuck up and maybe do a little a little journalistic investigation. Maybe you know interview some technicians. Maybe talk to some technicians. But you know what? Eh, we're not going to fucking do that. We're just going to make up some horse shit. We're going to throw it on the internet. We're going to call it done. Uh, this is from Indeed. Okay. And these are the people that have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of, I want to say it one more time, a lot of ads for you and I on their site. They have a lot of ads for technicians on their site. I think I documented this a couple, two, three weeks ago. They had something like 165,000 ads for technicians of all types all over the place there were there was literally everything everything from Chevrolet to Fisker I mean there was fucking ads looking for technicians for everything out there and I'm and the ads that I looked up boys and girls were just for car brands I wasn't looking up ads for like uh some of these franchise uh repair shops like a, a Midas or a Monroe or a Brake Check or Take 5 oil change or uh uh, any of that shit, okay? Because there's a fucking million of those out there and those people are fucking looking for technicians and, and people that they can abuse and treat like shit and make work outside in 105 degree weather. So uh, really the genre that we exist in as an as an occupation or as an occupation that we have is uh, very poorly served. It is very poorly thought of. It is very poorly represented in media, and that's why, you know, I come on here every week and try to just let you know that this is something that's going on. I mean, if, you know, if you've got, let's say, you know, this is, I'm sure this happens somewhere. Let's just say you're an auto mechanic, you've been doing it three, four, five years, and you got a, a younger sister or a younger brother, and they're going to school for journalism. And and you're sitting down at the table eating dinner one day, and they show up, you know, and they start going, how's it going? I go, it goes, it, it's fucking shitty. That's how it goes. Well, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, because if they're a journalist, they should be asking lots of questions, right? At least that's my opinion, is that if you're a journalist, you should be seeking the truth all the time, and you shouldn't be satisfied until you're sure you actually have the fucking truth, which seems to be a really rare quality with journalists these days, okay? But let's just say it's your little brother. He's he's tr- he's seeking out a journalism degree, and he needs to write maybe a, a story or a, or a paper or an essay or maybe he just wants to send an editorial into the newspaper, or maybe he wants to write a book or an article on what you're going through. So he could truthfully ask you questions, and because he's your little brother, and if you write something about you that you don't like, you could beat the shit out of him if you want. But just, just have somebody put pen to paper who knows grammar and syntax and punctuation and and what words mean and how they and how they're how they're. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> Uncle Chippy could probably use that training too, but how they're understood. So what I'm trying to get at is that there's nobody out there, there's nobody fucking out there doing that. And somebody somewhere's got to know somebody, one of us, one of us auto mechanics, one of us mechanics of any kind really, has to know somebody who can start flipping this whole fucking thing around, printing the truth and asking the hard questions and then printing the answers to those hard questions. It's not happening yet. And, and every time I go looking for some sort of content, to, to bring you information from the internet or from somewhere else where you might not have seen it, because I know a lot of you are busy and a lot of you 
work so fucking hard that when you get home, you basically just collapse. I do that. It happens to me. <laughs> it happens to me a lot. And if it happens to you, I would I would kind of like to see it stop happening to you. You kind of need to, and, and it needs to stop happening to me as well, by the way. But you need to kind of have a, a better work life balance. But you're not going to be able to when people are out there saying shit that's just not fucking true. It doesn't make any sense, okay? So this particular article, I want to read along, and, and Eric's going to get mad because I'm going to do this organically like I always, like I usually do. I don't always do this. But I've already, I skimmed it really quick, and I found that it was pretty fucking stupid what I was able to take from it, quickly skimming it. So we're going to go through and do a hardcore fucking uh, hammer job on it uh, and see what happens, okay? Now, here's how this article starts out. It says 11 job opportunities, and you know me, that when you have a really odd number of fucking points it just pisses me off. Make it five, make it 10, make it 15, even 12. But 11, what the fuck? You couldn't come up with one more or one less. It murders me. It murders me. And it's just, it's just me. I know it's ridiculous. I understand that. But I'm looking for some kind of, I don't know, precision in this world. And I'm just not fucking finding it. I'm not finding it anywhere. All right. So let me move, let me move past my autism here. 11 job options for former mechanics. And then in parentheses, it says with only it's not spelled with it's W L T H. They accidentally hit the L instead of the I. So you could probably get a job working for indeed as a proofreader. Cause obviously you don't fucking have one. Okay, but in parentheses, it says wealth, wealth, what do they mean is with salaries and duties. Okay, now, now, now get yourself a, a nice cool beverage and sit back because this, some of this is fucking absolutely ridiculous. Here's what it goes on to say. And like I said, the entire editorial team is credited with this. So there's not one person that we can call up and, and email or fucking seek out on Facebook and blow them up as being a fucking moron. We're just going to have to take everyone who works at Indeed and say, are you really, is this it? This is the best you can do. All right, here's what it says. Mechanics may work on vehicles like cars and trucks to ensure they run properly and safely on the road. Sure. There are many transferable skills for mechanics who want to start a new career or change their career path to something outside of automobile assembly slash inspection and repair. <sighs> okay. If you are a mechanic and want to change your job, it's useful to know some choices that could make use of your existing skills. In this article, we describe 11 job options for former mechanics, including the national average salary and typical duties of each role. The national average salary for some of these jobs is shit. It is shit. Uh, now, I say that because what I make is is totally up in the air and totally up to me because I'm a flat rate technician. And I think a lot of you are flat rate. And so at the end of the year, you kind of have to look back and say, okay, I made this much money this year, which means you divide it by 52 and you go, I made this much money per week, yada, yada, yada. You can't do that. You almost can't do that before in January. You can't do that in January because you don't know what kind of year you're going to have. I can still remember sitting down with myself January 2020 and saying, I'm going to make six digits this year. I'm going to break my balls. I'm going to make, you know, $100,000 this year. I'm going to do what I got to do to make that much money. And for the first month, even almost two months, I was cruising right along. And then all of a sudden, the fucking pandemic happened. Now, let me ask you something real quick here. Is the pandemic over? Is it really over? Are we done with the masks and the bullshit? My my big question is, I got two big questions. Uh, the first one is, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? Oh, my God. That, 
they just took and whoever's in charge, the CDC or the government or whatever, they just took our entire fucking world and flipped it right the fuck upside down. And then they jumped up and down on our heads and shit. It's like, what the fuck? What a mind-numbing period of time that was. And finally, finally, we have people who are not wearing masks everywhere. It was a kind of annoying. And you know, I'm in Texas, folks. It was not as bad here as it was in some other places that I visited, uh, which I was allowed to visit but only if I told them I was from somewhere else and not Texas, because in Texas, they really didn't have a huge kind of a panic over COVID. I mean, hell, they, they're all armed anyway. So they're like, I ain't going to get no COVID. I'll just fucking shoot it, you know? Uh, and really, that that attitude actually held up for them, a lot of them, okay? Now, I'm sure there was some Texans who died, and, and I apologize if, if, <laughs> if anybody you know uh, passed away from having COVID-19. I apologize. But the, it was it was not as severe as as we were led to believe. I don't believe. All right. Yes, yeah, some people got it, but it seemed to mostly, uh, really, unfortunately, weed out the the weak uh, people who who had trouble lung trouble or breathing problems or were grossly overweight. It it kind of thinned the herd a little bit. All right. And there was a lot of people also. And Eric, you can certainly cut this out if you want. That's fine. I, I get it. It's not a political forum. But I think in a, a, a lot of cases, uh, a lot of people who passed away from one thing got their demise listed as being from COVID-19. Uh, and then I'm curious. Uh, the last thing I want to say about this is I'm curious about the timing of it because now we have a different president than we have when it started. Okay, so you can't really sit down as a flat rate technician uh, coming full circle on this. You can't really sit down and say, oh, that's how much money I want, I'm going to make this year. All right, so that, that kind of sucks. But some of these salaries that they list for these particular job options that they're going to list here just seem really kind of pathetic. And they're almost trying to, I think they're almost trying to kind of push us back into the role of automotive mechanics and kind of keep us from from uh, moving forward with this type of uh this type of, of uh, occupation, this type of, uh, here's the number one, here's the first answer. It's just number one. It's not number one on the list. It's just the first answer. Mechanical assembler. And that's what it is. Uh, I'm not sure what I would call it. Mechanical assembler is probably not what I would say. And it says national average salary is $37,000 per year. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. That's really not that much. Primary duties, a mechanical assembler works in a production or assembly line to put together pieces of material using specific mechanical tools. They create the components that assemblers combine to make a finished product for customers. Some duties of this role include understanding how to use tools safely, duh, reading product blueprints or design documents, and sometimes testing the finished piece to ensure it meets company standards. Read IE, the test drive. This job is a great option for former mechanics because it involves using familiar tools and mechanical knowledge to create a functional physical product. Okay, I've talked to a lot of people who who work as work in assembly lines and assemble components and a lot of times they have to do the same job over and over and over and over and over again. You understand what I'm talking about? And unless somebody has their mental health uh, in mind, and is wary of the fact that you could literally go crazy doing the same job over and over and over again, you might lose your fucking mind, honestly. And for 37K a year, eh, not fucking worth it. Now, if you were working as a, an assembler in a fabrication shop where you're assembling something different all the time, you have to use skills 
and you have to have certain knowledge of fasteners and materials, metallurgy or whatever. That could be a lot better. That should probably pay a lot more. Uh, but but being an, uh, working on an assembly line, really of any kind, folks, just straight up fucking mind numbing. I'm not sure that that's a move up. Number two, and this one, this is where <laughs> number two on the list is welder. Now it's not difficult to weld. It's difficult, however, to weld good. It is very difficult to weld good, and if you don't do it a lot, you are going to suck at it. And even if you are great at it at one point in time, if you don't do it for a couple, two, three weeks, or a month, or even a year, you're going to return to those of us who suck at it. You're going to suck at it. You have to, Welding is like being a musician. If you don't do it, if you don't practice, and you don't uh, learn how to do it, and learn how to do it right, and then practice how to do it, you're just going to get you're just going to get shit results. You're going to get shit results. Okay, just so you know, I learned how to weld many years ago. Could I weld a piece of metal together? Yeah, probably. Could I do it so that it looks like it was done by somebody who knows how to weld? Nope. It's going to look like it was done by a third fucking grader. Seriously, I have to spend a lot of time practicing when I want to weld shit together and make it look good because. It is not something that comes real supernatural to your Uncle Jimmy. And uh, even though I have welders, I have brazing torches and a MIG welder, and uh, it just does not come naturally to me. I have to practice just to suck at it, okay? Here's what the primary duties are. Oh, well, let me start with the average salary. Now, I know for a fact that these salaries are not proper. It says national average salary. I don't know where they got this from. They said welders make $38,000 a year. Uh, they they can make $38,000 in about half a year. Now, it depends on, and, and there's different types of welders, okay? Let's, let's take that into account real quick here. Some of them have to be certified to weld certain materials. Some of them have to weld to a certain set of standards, read i.e. the military. You can't just weld like shit something for the military. It's not going to fucking work. Here's the primary duties of a welder, and this is where it gets really fucking stupid. A welder is... And it should say A, but it doesn't. A welder is tradesperson who uses heat, typically with a blowtorch, to join two pieces of material together. Okay, that that whole sentence is just there's there's a million things wrong with it here. First off, it's it should say a welder is a tradesperson who uses heat, typically with a blowtorch. Have you ever seen a blowtorch? Uh, it's an outdated piece of equipment that, well, really, it's a it's a blowtorch. You can't fucking weld with that. You can't, you can't fucking weld with that. Uh, and it, you, but here it says you use that blowtorch to join two pieces of material together. Uh, well, welders typically weld metals together, whether it's aluminum or different types of of carbon iron. Of iron. Uh, some 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 even weld cast iron. You you get told many times can't weld cast iron. That's definitely false. You can. Doesn't really work very well, and you have to be very skilled to do it even poorly they often work with metals and may read blueprints for finished products measure and cut pieces of material and understand shop safety like what type of gear to wear that was completely written by somebody who has never ever fucking welded anything ever together ever anywhere they can work in many environments and industries including in mechanic shops or automobile factories yes you can uh, you can get a job welding in in certain mechanic shops uh, you're going to have to be really fucking good with it. Uh, there are uh, race shops all over the country. Uh, there's also c- uh, shops that customize vehicles. There's shops that repair vehicles all over the country. Lots of these places need people who can weld. There's not a lot of welders out there. And I'll tell you what, if you told a welder that you were going to pay him $38,000 a year, you're going to have to update your ad because he's not going to come to fucking work for you. The demand for welders out there is pretty 
is 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 pretty high. It's just it's high. It's as high, if not higher, than the demand for automotive technicians. So if I'm gonna put this out there for you, okay? If you like to weld, if you are a good welder, if you know how to do TIG welding and MIG welding and arc welding and uh, even brazing soldering that sort of thing you can easily leave the automotive industry way the fuck behind and go work somewhere as a welder it's still kind of a dirty job there's still some hazards in it okay lots of times when you weld there are very toxic materials put into the air which you might breathe in okay so uh you're not really making a step up or down on the ladder as far as safety goes you may be making a step up as far as uh, salary or wages go Okay, and you if you enjoy welding, uh, man, you you may be that may be the job for you. And if you can TIG weld, okay, let me just put this out there right now. If you can TIG weld, and when you're done, it just looks like a stack of fucking dimes, and you're working as an auto mechanic, you are wasting your fucking time as an auto mechanic. Get out there in a fucking world, find a race shop that needs a good TIG welder, and get to work. Okay, and you know if you could TIG weld like that, you had to practice for fucking many, many, many months to be good at that. Okay, because I've tried to TIG weld before, and it just kind of ended up looking like shit. And I haven't done it in 20 years, so if I tried it now, it would look even worse. It says here, welding can be a good change from mechanic work because it allows former mechanics to use their precision and critical thinking skills to bond materials safely. It allows former mechanics to use their precision and critical thinking skills. I had a lot of a lot of mechanics really that I know, at least the flat rate ones. There's not a lot of precision that goes on in that particular in, in our genre, uh, in our occupation. It's not that much precision. You know, we're supposed to, and, and you 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 may or may not agree with this, but we're supposed to install parts in a vehicle. We're supposed to diagnose them correctly the first time. Okay, great, I can get that. We we should be able to do that every time. We we obviously are not ever going to be able to do that every f- single fucking time. Uh, correctly then you're supposed to replace whatever part it is and install it with the utmost precision and when you put the fasteners in you torque them in right how many of you do that yeah uh, I don't see any hands raised. Uh, we usually, as flat rate technicians anyway, slam shit in, tighten shit up, send it down the fucking road. Critical thinking and precision really don't play a very big part of it. Uh, anyway, to, to wrap that one up, being a welder, that's actually a really good occupation to slide yourself into. Unfortunately, you're going to have to have some skills. Uh, you're also going to have to probably get some certifications. You're going to have to know what you're up to. So it's not something you can just quit tomorrow and slide into it on uh, the next Monday. So uh, you're going to have to think about that and decide if you want to do that. Because there are some people who weld that I know, they don't like it. They, they hate it. They have to wear heavy, heavy gear to keep themselves from getting burned by slag and whatever other sorts of shits flying around a work site where they're fucking welding. So you need to be careful. Remember, you know, and we talked about this before, sometimes the grass is not greener on the other side. Welder might make more money than you, but they have a different amount of work to do and they have to do it in different fucking places. If you're working in a shop and it's cool in the summer and warm in the winter, you may not want to be a welder because you might be working on a fucking high rise somewhere in your city or even another city 
welding shit together 16 stories up in a fucking blazing snowstorm with fucking 30 mile an hour winds and you fear for your life okay so just remember uh being a welder could be a good cha- a could uh, a good change of occupation but uh sometimes shit needs to be welded in places where you just don't fucking want to go all right number three on the list it says here mechanical inspector and uh, believe it or not the national average salary for that's forty one thousand dollars a year well okay let's see what a mechanical inspector does it says a mechanical inspector visually observes and manually tests machines to ensure they work well and perform their purpose for clients well what kind of fucking machines are we talking about here these machines could be factory equipment large generators or other machines that help people live or produce products and they do this by reviewing local machinery codes reading documentation about the machine and using tools to test its functionality like mechanics Mechanical inspectors work closely with mechanical systems and may use similar tools to access the insides of these machines like wrenches and screwdrivers. Yeah, you could be a mechanical inspector. Sure, if that job became available and you're an auto mechanic, I would think that that'd be a good fit for you. 41K a year? I don't know. Is is that less than what, is that more than what you're making now as an auto mechanic? I don't know. I think in today's occupational climate, auto mechanics should be getting paid eh, if they're any good at all. They should start out at about 40K a year and go up from there as they get more experience and get more training. All right. So uh, taking a job that pays 41K a year to inspect machines. Uh, and really, there was a myriad of machines that they were trying to uh, let us know that you could be inspecting. And, and, and sure, it's a valid occupation. And you may work in a power plant. You may work in a, a high school even. Okay. You might work in a, a an automobile assembly plant. You might work in a plant where they assemble sewing machines. Any other, you know, microwave ovens, anything. Refrigerators could be anything. You could be a mechanical inspector there, or maybe even a quality control inspector. Sure. Uh, as far as pay goes, I don't know. It, it seems to me, and maybe this is just me, that if you're just inspecting shit, you really almost don't need tools. You're just going to look at it. You know, if you have to, if you have to inspect it, and it needs to be inspected, and it doesn't really pass your standards for inspection, then you may have to disassemble something and indicate what the problem is. It doesn't say anything about fixing it. It doesn't say anything about that. You're inspecting it, and you're making sure the shit works. And when it doesn't, you fucking lock it out, tag it out, get somebody to come in and fucking fix it. And that's somebody else. Uh, and that somebody else would be the maintenance technician, which was the next one, number four. And they make 44K a year, according to Indeed, uh, which sounds again to me like it's a little low. Primary duties, though, a maintenance technician may work for a single organization or visit multiple clients to inspect and maintain various mechanical systems and upkeep on their property. Holy shit, that's right. Other machines need maintenance too. How about that shit, huh? Yeah, you think some of those people are going to ignore the maintenance on their equipment? You bet your fucking ass they are. All right. These technicians perform basic but varied work on many systems like HVAC, electrical wiring and sprinklers, plus general upkeep like painting and landscaping. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I might paint something, but with spray paint, I'm not certainly going to grab a fucking brush and a goddamn roller. And landscaping, yeah, you can you can fucking forget that shit. I'm not driving, riding or driving a lawnmower. Okay, that's why I rent. I spent my entire youth mowing like a fucking 10-acre lawn fucking t- every other week in the fucking summer for from the years I was 10 till I was about 20. Not fucking doing that anymore, okay? Their work involves regularly inspecting these areas and responding to requests from clients about problems. They got to call somebody. They certainly can't fucking fix them themselves, can they? Yeah. Is that you're finding that now with their cars. You have to fix your cars because they fucking can't. And anything else they got that's broken, guess what? They can't fix that either. Maintenance technicians and mechanics both work with mechanical systems and perform repairs, which makes this job an easy switch from working on automobiles to learning about mechanical upkeep 
on an organization's property. Well, you know, uh, it's not such a, a lateral move as they'd like for you to think. It's not, okay? Because you may have to fix a fucking boiler. Now, I know how to spell the word boiler. I kind of know what it does. Am I going to take a fucking socket wrench and a hammer down and try to fix one? Fuck no, I don't know anything about boilers. All I know is they probably have a lot of fucking pressure in them. And if I turn the wrong fucking dial, shit's gonna fucking hit the fan. So there's gotta have there's gonna have to be a learning curve there. And depending on what kind of equipment they have, you know, if it's a manufacturing plant and they have all kinds of different fucking CNC machines and milling machines and vertical milling machines and lathes and shit like that, am I gonna work on all that fucking shit? Probably not. I'm certainly not going to want to because it sounds worse than working on cars. It's certainly less glamorous. Uh, as, as if working on cars is glamorous. I'm sorry. And here's one. This is number five. And uh, this list gets a little bit more and more ridiculous as we go on. It says customer service representative. All right. Well, honestly, uh, and, and this is, you know, I don't, it, it doesn't come out very well sometimes when I say this, but let me just put it out there anyway. If you work in customer service, it requires exactly zero schooling, okay? So if you graduate from high school, let's assume you graduated from high school, even if you didn't graduate from high school, you could certainly become some sort of customer service representative in some fucking business that faces the general public and tries to either sell them something or service something that they already fucking own. It does not require any sort of degree whatsoever. It doesn't require any college. It doesn't require a really a whole lot of anything other than just being able to take a whole bunch of fucking horse shit and not fucking slap the fucking shit out of somebody. Because customer service, I'll tell you right now, customer service sucks. It fucking sucks. I've done it. I worked in auto parts stores. I've talked about it a million fucking times. And, it, and at times it was all right, but but most of the time it just basically sucked dick. No good. Okay. Here's what they. Here's what Indeed goes on to say about this. First off, what what's killing me here is it says the national average salary is forty seven k a year for being a customer service representative. I'm not sure where that job exists, okay? Because customer service representatives typically are paid as close to and or nothing. Okay? They're just It's just not a job that, that you're going to make a living at, really, I don't believe. Because it's just one of those things that, that you don't need any fucking skills for. Here's what it says. A customer service representative answers questions and provides guidance to customers at their workplace to ensure that they have a a pleasant experience. They make it sound easy, don't they? Yeah, it's fucking not. Uh, it, it does help when your clientele is a little bit more, shall we say, highbrow. But even then, you're still going to get dickheads and assholes and fuckwads and uh, all kinds of, of, of just assorted riffraff and trash in your building. No matter where you set up shop. No matter where you set up shop. And as a customer service representative, you're going to need a fucking bucket and a shovel to scoop up all the fucking shit that they're going to lay at your feet. It's crazy. People are just losing their fucking minds here, especially lately. And they feel like they need to take it out on people who work in customer service. And uh, one of these days, there's just going to, you know, I mean, and it probably has happened where somebody just reaches out and physically uh, alters a customer and their problems by smacking them upside the fucking head, probably with something heavy. It says here, to do this, they may greet customers who enter a store or a shop, respond to requests and address concerns, and provide coupons or other deals as solutions to problems. C coupons or other deals as solutions to problems. Here's the deal. You work in customer service in an automobile dealership of some sort or a shop. Every time somebody touches the door handle to your shop to come inside, they have a problem. There is no other fucking reason for them to be there. 
None. Okay, so you're behind the eight ball already. How you handle that, yes. Uh, well, you know, it maybe maybe you're built for customer service. But I can guarantee you right now that if you work Monday through Friday, eight to five, and you deal with anywhere from 20 to 100 customers in a week, three, four, five of them, maybe even up to 10 of them, are going to fucking piss you off and make you want to fucking choke the fucking shit out of you. So if you're going to leave your job as an auto mechanic and go up front and start being a service advisor or go anywhere else to work in customer service, you're going to definitely want to think twice. And at 47K a year, I would hope that as an auto mechanic, you're making more than that. Maybe you're making about the same as that. It doesn't sound like a real livable wage to me anymore, honestly. Uh, You know, if you're a single guy, you're living in your parents' house and you make 47K a year. Yeah, you're probably partying from Thursday night till fucking Sunday morning, but you don't have a dime to show for it after two, three, four years. Moving out of the shop, selling the tools, taking the toolbox home, whatever, greasing the wheels and going into customer service, definitely not recommended by your Uncle Jimmy at all. Because I made I made the transition the other way, and I will never fucking go back. Although, watch, two years from now, I'll be a service advisor asking people if they want to buy an air filter. Uh, here, <laughs> just to finish this one up here, to do this, you may meet Greek customers who enter a store or shop and provide coupons or other deals as solution to problems. I've, I've never really seen coupons solve a problem, but, uh, you know, I suppose it could happen. Many automotive shops employ customer service representatives, comma, so this job can be a good option for mechanics who want to use their knowledge of the industry to help customers differently. Thinly veiled. Yep. You're not going to fix the cars. You're going to try to fix the people who own them. Uh, and they really, that's what your Uncle Jimmy always says is, I, you know, I can fix cars. I cannot fix people. No tools for that. There's some tools to tweak them. It doesn't typically fix them. Here we go. Maintenance supervisor. Uh, obviously, this is number six. Uh, this is this this job pays 54K a year, almost 55. Primary duties of maintenance supervisor leads teams of maintenance technicians from, I think, what was that, number four? That's right, number four. He is in charge of the maintenance technicians to maintain the presentation and functionality of an organization's buildings or whatever sort of uh, equipment they have. The duties of these supervisors include creating teams of talented technicians, sending technicians on specific maintenance jobs, and inspecting and repairing the mechanical and decorative elements of a building. Oh, wow, that's that's pretty specific. Former mechanics may have many technical skills that allow them to succeed as maintenance supervisors, and they might prefer the additional authority of the role. <laughs> you will respect my authority! <laughs> uh, authority is doled out in a lot of shops very very small morsels you know you don't you don't have control over the guy in the bay next to you and he fucking knows it you don't have control over the you know you don't have any kind of authority over anybody in your shop and they all know it so if you get upset about something that they're doing yeah you're just gonna have to eat shit being a maintenance supervisor sure uh you don't really have that in an automotive shop and if you go to work somewhere where they have a lot of machines or they have a lot of equipment or they have a lot of uh things that go on in the facility such as you know boilers or heaters or air conditioners or whatever and you're the technician who has to fix them you probably do have some sort of supervisor but i'll bet you a thousand fucking dollars all he does is sit in his fucking chair and watch tv all day long while you do all the fucking work so yeah it could be a good job for you if you really like to sit around and jack off but uh, i don't know you know for that pay i could think of a lot of better things to do so i'm gonna move gonna move on from that one number seven is home inspector i'm not sure where that one comes from uh working on a car uh you don't have much to do with homes really you have a, a basic mechanical ability a basic mechanical aptitude and perhaps you have manual dexterity 
and so you're handy. But I don't know as if that would make you a good make you a good prospect for a home inspector. I don't know if that would make you a, a good a good candidate for that kind of a job here. You'll definitely have to know a lot of different things that have nothing to do with the automotive industry. Uh, you're really not going to be fixing anything as an inspector. You're just not going to be you're not going to be putting the tools to the fucking house. You're just going to go. The tools need to be put to the house because somebody fucked this up or somebody did that fucking wrong or this isn't going to work. This and and if you try to make it work, it's going to fucking burn the house down. Yeah, you know, you really kind of almost don't need. Uh, you know, super specialized skills for some of that stuff, but you're not fixing anything. You're just inspecting it. And it, it's funny because it says here that the national average salary is 55K a year for this just to inspect homes. You could conceivably sneak into that job as a former auto mechanic. It doesn't really transfer any of your knowledge or any of your skills, I don't believe. Uh, maybe you feel differently. Maybe you're, maybe I'm not thinking of the same kind of uh, homes that need to be inspected as you are. And maybe, maybe just going. Uh, you know, on the road and inspecting homes all around your city or maybe even your county or even your state might be something that, that kind of trips your trigger. I just don't feel like if you have if you have or had the passion to work on automobiles, that that's something that's going to appeal to you, okay? So number eight, let's move on from there because I don't want to run that whole home inspector thing down into the ground and burn it down. It's something you could definitely do. All of these things are definitely things that you could do. Uh, what I don't like is the presentation and, and how they're just assuming certain things and uh, they're wrong in a lot of cases, okay? Number eight is a service technician and what they're going to talk about here is uh, repairing shit like water heaters and washing machines and dryers and stoves. And and I'll tell you, I've I've repaired a few different things like this before. Because, you know, I'm like you guys, kind of handy. I know what to do with a fucking screwdriver. I know how the business end of a hammer works. But I don't really like fucking working on appliances, okay? Uh, because a lot of appliances, at least in my opinion, are built in with a kind of a planned obsolescence kind of a, kind of a, a, a track record to them, so to speak. Um, so like if you have a washer or a dryer, or maybe you have a washer and a dryer that came as a pair, they're scheduled to fucking wear right the fuck out after about 10, 15 years. And if you've had them 10 or 15 years, and they've been working fine, and all of a sudden they're not fucking working fine, it's going to kind of piss you off because it's going to be a lot of shit that's worn out, and yeah, you could fucking replace it, but you might be better off just getting a whole other fucking washer and dryer, okay? These are consumer products. Would I want a job fixing consumer products? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want, I mean, if somebody brought me a fucking toaster, I would just fucking take a hammer and smash it and say, go buy a new one. Hot water heaters, get the fuck rid of the old one and fucking get a new one. Washers and dryers, same thing. Stoves, they're going to fuck up. Appliances are going to fuck up. Am I going to come into your house with a toolbox and a tool belt that, that exposes the crack of my ass and sit there and tell you, well, you know, you need this, this, and this for the stove. It's going to be like $400. You can buy a brand new one for 500 and you don't have to pay me. You're just going to have to have somebody hump the fucking thing into the house and hook it up once. And then we won't hear from you again for another 10 or 15 years. You know, you do this a couple, two, three times. And by the time you're done with the third set, you're fucking out of there. You're no longer with us. As far as being a service technician and fixing some of this stuff, uh, I don't I, you know, I don't know as if there's a lot of call for it anymore. There probably is. I'm just not familiar with it. Uh, it also uh, includes what they what they went on to say here is that you may drive a truck containing products and tools, installing new or repairing existing electrical or plumbing products for customers, answering questions to help clients learn more about these products. Ah, I shouldn't have to do that. Fuck, they bought a washing machine and they don't know how it fucking works. Just fucking take a fucking baseball bat and hit them over the head. If you don't know how a washing machine works, you're too fucking stupid to live. Get the fuck out of here. Stuff their body in a washing machine and turn it on fucking high and hot until their body is just completely fucking dissolved, okay? 
Really, it's ridiculous. Uh, a service technician, sure. You could work as a service technician for uh, an apartment complex where you have hundreds of washing machines and dryers and, and dishwashers and all that shit, and you could get really good at it. Maybe you could make some money, but uh, I don't believe that, okay? If you've ever lived in an apartment, I'm living in one right now where they keep fucking with me and my rent. About ready to burn their fucking place down. They're certainly not going to pay a livable wage to have some yo-yo go around and fix the garbage disposal or the fucking or the fucking dishwasher. They're not going to pay anything at all. Fucking cheap cocksuckers. Sorry, I'm just a little angry with my apartment complex right now. I pay my fucking rent on fucking time every motherfucking month for five fucking years, and now they're fucking with me trying to evict me or some shit i don't even know what the they don't know what the fuck they're doing who takes a fucking tenant who pays his rent on time every fucking month and goes out and honestly obviously and on purpose try to piss him off why would you do that go piss off the guy who's fucking late with his rent three three months in a row and he doesn't pay the whole thing. He pays on the third week of the month. And, and he's always constantly telling you that he can't pay, he can't pay, he can't pay. I'm not doing that shit. Quit fucking with me. Jesus Christ. All right. Sorry. Just a little fucking home, home rant. <laughs> Number nine, shop supervisor. Shop supervisor and I would say shop foreman fall into the same category here. And it looks like the national average is 65K a year, which I got to say is uh, also ridiculous. All of their national average salaries are ridiculous because what it means is they've had salaries reported to them that were higher and more real realistic and believable and then they've had some other salaries reported to them which were low and unbelievably low and idiotically low and they've come up with this average i don't doesn't seem to doesn't really work for me okay i don't i don't buy it their their national average salary is I don't know. They're using a formula that doesn't work for me. As a shop supervisor, though, it says here, a shop supervisor in the automotive industry works in auto repair shops to oversee daily operations of their employees who are typically mechanics and sales representatives. Now, I don't know about you. I don't really work very closely with sales representatives in the shop. In fact, when the sales representatives from up front in our dealership come into the shop, I typically try to tell them to get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. If we had a shop supervisor, I'd instruct him to tell them to get the fuck out too because basically... If somebody who isn't a technician comes into your shop, and this is the way I look at it, if somebody who is not a technician comes into your shop and they work for the same company, they're just there to fuck off. There's no good can come from anything that they're going to do or say in the shop. And they should just get the fuck out of the shop. Sales representatives especially. Uh, it goes on to say auto repair supervisors may perform some work of a mechanic, but they also have a higher level of authority and can hire employees, provide training, and ensure their shop meets regulations for safety and cleanliness. Ah, <laughs> cleanliness. <laughs> I almost forgot that word exists. Oh, I jest because I'm, I'm such a neat freak. But uh, And our shop's really pretty clean right now, but only because we had a visit from the owner. And it'll go back to being the same old shithole it was before pretty quickly, despite what the cleaning company seems to think. Uh, anyway, moving on there, a little inside, store, inside rant here. Uh, mechanics with a few years of experience can consider this role to broaden their range of responsibilities and use their technical knowledge to teach new employees. That would be fabulous. A little, a little aside on this one here now, okay? Um, if you have a shop supervisor or I would say a foreman, what they should be doing is helping you with the repairs that you're trying to make on a car when you run into trouble and you don't have a clear-cut uh, answer or clear-cut diagnosis for what you're doing. That should be their main task. Should they be working on cars? Eh, I would say 
No, but if there is a car that is giving a technician a lot of trouble and is difficult to fix and the, and the diagnosis is going to be horrendous, then yeah, a foreman should step in or a shop supervisor should be able to step in in those particular cases and take that over because typically a foreman and a shop supervisor are paid salary. It says here 65K a year, which again, real fucking low. But as far as a, a, a foreman or a shop supervisor goes, there's a, a list of things that they're going to need to uh, do or at least attempt to delegate to somebody else. Now, what I have found in my experience is that a shop foreman, uh, depending on the ego of the uh, service manager and the assistant service managers, will either have little or no authority whatsoever over the employees. So he's not really somebody who can counsel uh, an employee in a, in a proper manner from the proper uh, from the proper point of view. That needs to happen. Uh, and a, a, a shop supervisor or a foreman should have the authority to tell a technician that he's fired. He sh- I, I believe they should because they're they are the ones who work closely with them. And if they're fucking up and they're doing things that are not good and doing things that are bad and detrimental to the to the survival of the business, even then a shop supervisor or a foreman should be able to see this, put two and two together, and nip that shit right in the butt and get that motherfucker out the door. But I'm finding, I have found in almost every place I've ever worked at, the foreman is just basically neutered and doesn't have that authority at all. And But that's just, and that's just a little rant that just says, hey, listen, this could be a good job being a shop supervisor or a foreman. It could be a really great job. One of the things I also find with that job is that if there is a job that needs to be done in the shop and that job is nobody's job, it becomes the foreman's job. And and some of those jobs suck. You know, it could be plunging a toilet. Do they have somebody to do that? No. Who's going to do it? Well, call the foreman. The foreman's either going to find somebody else to do it or do it himself. Usually they end up doing it themselves. But that's what I'm talking about is a lot of times that if you have a job that needs to be done in your shop and it could be the messiest, shittiest job or it could be the best job in the world. Really, honestly, it could be the best job going. If there's nobody to do it, typically it's the foreman's job. It says here, mechanics with a few years of experience can consider this role to broaden the range of responsibilities and use their technical knowledge to teach new employees. One of the things I wanted to say to you is that uh, a foreman really should not be teaching new employees. He certainly can guide them in certain cases, okay, but it shouldn't be their main focus. And I believe that in the future, what you're going to see is a lot of these auto groups that have a, an enormous amount of trouble getting technicians, uh, whether it's uh, whether they own five stores or 100 stores or even 500 stores, they're going to have to figure out a way to grow their own mechanics. And what that means is they're going to have to come up with their own curriculum they're going to have to come up with some sort of a, a, a school type of a situation, possibly right in the shop alongside the other mechanics. And they may have to take some of these mechanics who might otherwise have left or or will leave or their skills are deteriorating or perhaps physically they can't do the job anymore and transition them into these positions and not as a shop supervisor so much, but as an instructor, as an in-house instructor to get new mechanics, new technicians, new hires, and your apprentice technicians, get them up to speed and making productive uh, work, doing productive things, you know, providing, you know, obviously early on, you're going to want to, you want to want to train them and uh, school them in doing maintenances, doing tires, and then alignments and then up through electrical, and then, you know, obviously alignments and, and AC repairs, and then eventually you drop them off on the doorstep of the ASC testing center. They go do that, 
they're prepared to take those tests and pass those tests because they've been working with somebody who has been dedicated to training them. Okay, you're gonna, I think you're going to see that in the future. A lot of these shops are just going to figure out that they're going to have to grow their own. They're going to have to grow their own because there's nobody out there who wants to do it, who's going to come to you and say, I've got everything you need. Just hire me and bring me in. It's just, this is not out there anymore at all. It's not out there anymore at all. You're going to have to hire new people and apprentices and you're going to have to, you're going to have to train them. And I think that that's going to have to be a separate occupation from being a foreman. It's going to have to be a separate occupation from being a technician. You can't, I don't honestly believe that you can turn hours as a flat rate technician and train a newbie, train train a new guy. I don't think you can do it. Some people have figured out ways to make it work and they can even, in some cases, make it lucrative for themselves. But in a lot of those cases, you, uh, you may find that a technician can see right through that whole situation and they may beg off on that situation altogether and go work for somebody else. And a lot of times if they jump out of a bad situation in your shop or what they consider to be a bad situation in your shop, they're going to jump into the same fucking bad situation in another shop. When when you have new people, they're just new people for a long time, unfortunately, and uh, they're just not going to get any respect. They're also not going to get a high wage and they're not going to get more responsibility, which is really what they need to grow. And a shop supervisor really uh, should, I would think, honestly, in my opinion, be the one who... Uh, kind of devises this plan, comes up with it and institutes it and puts the right people in place to run it. And that's not listed here at all. And the salary for that particular position, at least the national average salary, seems really fucking small. Now, number 10, and this one kind of blew me away a little bit, okay? Um, this is certainly something that you could do if you don't want to be a uh, auto mechanic anymore. Uh, it does not bring with it a whole lot of respect. It certainly doesn't seem to me to be a move up. Uh, and I'm not putting anybody down, but uh, I think that, you know, if you are a uh, automotive technician and you're skilled at what you do and you can do it well, then you, you will be considered, at least in, in, in my opinion, you will be considered someone very valuable and uh, also as one of the few, really, okay? But number 10 is a truck driver. Now, again, I want to say I'm not running any one of these jobs down, okay? I may sound like it, but in my heart, I know truck drivers. I know that they're good people. I, I mean, the people that I know that drive truck, they're, they're good people. I like them, and I don't think any less of them because they drive a truck, but a lot of fucking people do. I think that a truck driver ranks probably... Uh, a little lower on the list of people that nobody likes as far as their occupation goes than auto mechanics, okay? So you have like genocidal dictator is number one on the list. And then number two is a, uh, number two on the list is an auto mechanic. And number three is a truck driver. So as far as people with jobs that people, other people don't like and hate them for it. Uh, truck drivers, it says here, they make $67,000 per year. Again, I think that's a little low. I know that some of them, uh, can make more than that. It depends, of course, on how, how far they get to drive and what they're hauling. Some of them are hauling some precious cargoes and some dangerous cargoes, and they may make more. Here's what it goes on to say. This is number 10. A truck driver hauls cargo across a long distance using large trucks that attach to trailers. No shit, really? <laughs> the duties of a truck driver include communicating with their employees to locate cargo. Now, they usually don't do that at all. That's a dispatcher who does that. Driving safely for long distances to, to a drop-off point. Lifting products on and off their truck. Yeah, no, they don't do that either, okay? And performing minor repairs on their vehicle when necessary. See here again, they don't do that either. 
Okay, if you're a truck driver, you don't do any of that shit. If you have to get product off your truck, unless it's really super fucking light, you're not picking it up. You're going to use a forklift. You're going to use a lift truck. You might use dollies. You're going to use a lot of different shit, but you ain't lifting shit by yourself. You're not going to do, you're just not going to do it. Okay, you want to be smarter than that. Uh, you also don't, uh, you don't locate cargo and you don't designate where cargo is supposed to go. Um, and you also don't perform minor repairs on the truck. That would be a fucking disaster. Uh, having mechanical knowledge is a great skill for potential truck drivers as they must often repair vehicles until they can reach mechanic shops. No, uh, that that's not really what happens out there. And this is somebody who's misguided who've written, who has written this. Um, if you have a truck and you don't own it, and it breaks down, they will tell you not to fucking touch it, probably, because they've probably had some mechan- some truck drivers in the past who have tried to fix something on their truck so that they could keep going and have fucked it up worse. Happens. So they'll just tell you we're going to send out a tow truck and we're going to send over another tractor, and then you could use that tractor to hook to the trailer and finish making your deliveries or pickups, whatever you are doing. This makes truck driving a viable option for former mechanics. No, it really doesn't. Who no longer wants to perform mechanical work full-time? You just said they're going to have to work on the truck. But if they no longer want to perform mechanical work, well, okay, so it's a double negative. Uh, seriously, you can be a truck driver. Um, we've seen a lot. I've seen a, a hell of a lot of people do it poorly. I've also seen a hell of a lot of people who do it very well. Uh, I'm not sure what it pays. Uh, the national average here, it says 67K a year. I'm not sure that that's a good livable wage for doing something like that. It may be. It may be in certain parts of the country where that's an extraordinary wage, a very good wage. Where I live, I don't believe it is. Being a truck driver of any kind is definitely an occupation that we need more people to do. I don't want to put down the people who do it. I just feel that if you're a, an auto mechanic and you're successful at determining what problem what the problems are with a vehicle if you're good at diagnosis if you're a good thinker and you somebody who can do things with your hands you have mechanical aptitude you have uh uh, a good mechanical knowledge you have the ability to to think and fix things and get things done that truck driving might actually be a waste of your skills all right that's just my opinion. We're going to move on to number 11 because the list was stupid and had to have 11. And number 11 really, uh, let me just let me just say this real quick before I tell you what number 11 is. I don't actually believe that if you work on automobiles as a flat rate technician, that this would be a good move for you. Because when you work, and I'll explain myself here, when you work as a flat rate technician, attention to detail kind of goes out the fucking window. The details get kind of overlooked. On purpose, because if you take the time, and, I, and I've, I've said it a million times, your Uncle Jimmy does this stuff, but and he knows, he knows as well as you guys do, that the things he does cost him money. I will vacuum out the leaves out of a cowl. I will set all the tire pressures. I'll make sure that there's tire, that there's valve stem caps on all of the valve stems. I will always top off all the fluids. I will always adjust all the tire pressures. I always do the little things that that you would do to your own car if you were working on it. I always do those things for my customers. But it doesn't pay me back in any way, shape, or form. It does not increase the amount of money I get at the end of the week. So I would think for about 90% of you out there who work as flat rate technicians, the things I do, you would not even fucking consider. And I do not blame you. But what happens is, and it's just a natural thing, your skills start to atrophy. You start to forget about all these little subtle nuances that you should probably be paying attention to. But you're not going to because they don't pay. 
and they don't pay you to look at them. They don't pay you to correct them. You get paid for doing one repair. You don't get paid for paying any attention to the details. You don't get paid for it. So you're not going to do it. And I'm with you 100%. I just do it because I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm uh, Maybe it's because I just have... I don't know. Maybe I have a, a something. Maybe maybe something's wrong with me mentally. I don't know. I just I treat every car as if it's my own. I don't really know of a whole lot of people who have that same sort of a mindset when it comes to working on their cars. That's why number eleven, I believe, in, is not that great of a uh, go-to occupation if you leave the uh, automotive industry. And number eleven is aircraft mechanic. Now, aircraft mechanic to me. Personally, I think it's it's exactly the opposite of being an automotive mechanic, okay? Because after a while, as an automotive mechanic, you're like, ah, eh, fuck them. Because what happens if you fix a car or allegedly fix a car or fix it wrong or do something wrong? And it gets down the road, maybe a mile, two, maybe 10, maybe even 50 miles, and it fucks up. It just comes to a stop on the side of the road. It just rolls to a stop, and then they have to either tow it in or push it or jumpstart it, whatever, whatever you didn't fix right. Or maybe it isn't even you. It doesn't have to, it doesn't always have to be you. Maybe you put a battery in a car, but they needed an alternator and they didn't want it. So you put a battery in a car, they got 50 miles down the road, they killed the battery because the alternator wasn't charging it. Now they're on the side of the road, motherfucking you because you didn't fucking fix your car right when it's their fucking fault. But folks, you can't get away with that shit if you're working on an airplane. You fuck up working on an airplane. You fuck them up. They crash, people die, and then other people come around typically wearing really dark suits and ties and sunglasses and start pointing fingers. And if you're the mechanic who worked on that, they're going to know. And if you fuck something up, they're going to know. And if something that you did caused that fucking plane to crash, they're going to know and they're going to blame you. And they may even bring you up on charges. Who the fuck could even deal with that anxiety? I know I couldn't. I really honestly, I don't think I could. I would be excruciatingly cautious. I would triple and quadruple check all of my work. I would count my tools like a surgeon counts the sponges, I would I would have to I would have to drive myself wild being as absolutely 100% thorough as I could be. And I believe that it would lead to an early grave. It also says here too that their national average salary is 67k a year. I, that to me says that I don't even want to fly anywhere if those guys aren't making any kind of money at all because then they get into that whole flat rate mode that we are in as auto mechanics and just like ah fuck them, not my plane, not my car. You know what I mean? Um, if if you are one of these people who is extraordinarily meticulous, extraordinarily detail-oriented, attention-oriented, always is always doing everything he can to make sure that the car is fixed properly, does all the little things, measures everything exactly the way that the manufacturer says to, follows all of the rules, keeps his work area very, very neat, puts your tools away on a regular basis during the day, to make sure that they're all there, then yeah, I think you could make the jump to aircraft mechanic. But I don't think it's honestly a viable occupation for a very large majority of us. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a uh, viable occupation for an enormous amount of us. It's just for me personally, the anxiety would just fucking choke the shit right out of me, and I'd be dead in a week. Big pile of Jack Daniels bottles. <laughs> like I I just can't. I can't be that responsible. I would love to be, but at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm like everybody else. I'm just, at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Fuck that car. Fuck that car. All right. That was indeed 
Oh, how about that shit? Right at the bottom. Is this article helpful? And a great big thumbs down. Fuck no. Not accurate. Not well written. Oh man, can I how many can I check? Not accurate. Not well oh, not well written. We're gonna go with not well written. And uh other. Uh, excuse me, I would like to I can't even check not well written. It won't even let me. All right, we'll go next. Let's put it let, let me stand by while I put in they they've they've they've, they've a uh, screen has come up so I could add comments. Who the fuck writes this shit? A fucking idiot or what? Boom. Submit feedback. Okay, there you go. Thanks indeed. <laughs> fucking stupid indeed. Uh, I did find another article. Okay, because I hey, you know what? I go to I go to I go to links to bring you guys the proper kinds of, of, of information. Okay. Now I found this one. This is credit. This is let me try this again. Hello. Take two. This is career karma. And I have just discovered this is a an article from late December 2021. So it may not fit our situation now as the pandemic is officially over. Thank you very much. What the fuck was that? Anyway, mechanics here. Here's what it says. Alternative careers for mechanics, how to make a career change. It tells you how mechanics perform a variety of tasks that involve inspecting, maintaining and repairing vehicles. Yes, that's correct. According to the U S Bureau of labor and statistics, there were over 700,000 mechanics in the United States in 2020. Although most of these professionals dedicate their entire careers to this craft, no, they don't. Many others, sorry, we just don't. Many others opt to switch paths at some point. Many others, many, many, many others. Most mechanics changing careers remain within the automotive industry or work with mechanical systems. However, mechanics have transferable skills that can be used in different professions outside of these fields. This means a career change for mechanics can happen more smoothly than you might think. And that really, that last line, that's something that I would kind of like to drive home. You guys, if you're out there diagnosing cars and fixing them and being successful at it, you have to have critical thinking skills, which, hello, by the way, a lot of fucking people don't have. You also have to be able to kind of, you need to diagnose things. You have to be able to kind of be detail-oriented. You have to be able to check off different things that don't don't add up, okay? You know, you need to know that you need to check the fuses. You need to check for powers and grounds. You need to check where items, whatever it is, you know that you need to check these things. You don't need to be told. You have skill. You have knowledge. Lots of people don't have any of that shit. Just go out and talk to people sometime. Talk to people about their cars. Say, hey, did you know your car has brakes on all four wheels? What, are you fucking kidding me? Really? Some people don't know stupid stuff like that. They don't. Uh, moving on here. It says, mechanics deal with vehicle repairs and maintenance. These professionals work in several sectors, including dealerships and manufacturing industries, or as entrepreneurs or self-employed workers. Mechanics have knowledge and experience with automotive parts, accessories, and tire suppliers. Okay, that's uh, oddly specific. On average, mechanics and automotive technicians earn an annual wage of about $44,000 a year. And they can't understand why there's a shortage. Holy shit. They're going to need to start getting that shit straight because I don't make that much. I made that much in about fucking four months. Uh, because of the nature of their work, overtime is common. Eh, shouldn't be. With many motor mechanics working over the weekends, evenings, and public holidays. Well, I do that myself personally, but only because I have a lot of work to do. Nobody's asked me to. I just do it. Because of this, the job satisfaction for these professionals tends to be, it says divided. And I'm, I would, I would write that sentence because of this the job satisfaction for these professionals tends to be in the shitter okay 
Uh, job satisfaction, sometimes there is none. You guys know that. That's why I come on here every week, and I thank you for what you do, because there's little or no satisfaction or appreciation that comes from anybody. We don't get any feedback good. We don't get anybody telling us we did a good job. We don't get anybody who goes out of their way to say, hey, thanks for what you do. Yeah, in some places you will get a little bit of that. You'll get some appreciation. You will get some mention as to how hard, uh, how they appreciate your hard work. Where I'm at now, really, they do, I would say, a pretty good job of it. They could do a little better job of it, but uh, I'm not really complaining. I have worked in some places, however, where they just treated you like a fucking shelter dog, you know, that, and, and you're going to be euthanized the day after tomorrow that really have been treated poorly in some shops, some other shops, a little better, some shops, a little worse. Uh, nonetheless, the job outlook for automotive service technicians and mechanics is steady. And they estimate that there is little or no change in the demand for these professionals. This means that you are more likely to face stiff competition for limited positions as a mechanic joining the industry because of the stunted job growth rates. I do not agree with any of that. I do not agree with any of that. Here is some bottom line details for you. There are new people born every day. There are. And there's some other people checking out and dying. But for the most part, the population on this planet and in this country and in certain states in this country are exploding. And when these people grow up, and we've talked about the fact that some of them are not going to want to drive, some of them are not going to want to have a car, and some of them may need to have a car regardless of whether or not they like it or not, they're going to need it. So in the future, and from where I started, there are more and more and more people, and there are more and more and more cars, and there are less and less and less, one more time, and less automotive technicians out there to keep these fucking people's cars going. And on top of that, the cars have become excruciatingly difficult to fix. In 1980, to fix a car, to repair a car, to work on a car in 1980 that was built in 1980, the difficulty level was probably a three or a four out of 10. Let's ratchet up to 2023. The difficulty level of working on some of the new cars that we have now is on a scale of one to 10, a fucking 14. They have come up with shit that you can't imagine. Some manufacturers have stuff that I don't know anything about. The manufacturer I work for has shit I'm not that familiar with. It's ridiculous. And so this means that you're not going to face stiff composition, competition for limited positions as a mechanic. You are not. It's wrong. And this is, you know, this, this article started out and it, it just seemed like it was going to be good and then it just turned to shit. People seem to feel it's necessary to deny the fact that there is a shortage of, of automotive technicians. And the people who complain about it are the very fucking ones who caused this fucking problem by treating us like shit and not fucking paying us. So let's move on from that. Here's what they go on to say here. Common second career, common second careers for mechanics. If you are looking into alternative careers for mechanics, know that you are not alone as thousands of technicians leave this career field and daily, I might add. It doesn't say that. I just said that just now. Didn't you hear me? Besides, it's often advisable to have some side jobs as a mechanic to increase your earnings and protect you against job risk. Some common second jobs for mechanics include mechanical assembler, welder, truck driver, and teaching and sales. Now, uh, if it sounds ridiculously like the last article, I think that they have uh, plagiarized each other and 
And uh, it's a it's a threesome because I'm going to plagiarize the shit out of both sides of it, okay? <laughs> Skilled technicians and mechanics possess transferable skills which can be used to land different job opportunities. If you are looking for a challenging, rewarding, or fulfilling career outside mechanics, you'll be pleased to know that automation technicians have many transferable skills. Automation technicians, uh, people who uh, fix, repair, and adjust uh, machines on an automated assembly line. Sure, you could do that shit, right? This means that you can pursue different career opportunities using your existing skills from your current position. Here are some jobs that come with a high salary, high annual salary for former mechanics. I'm gonna this list this list is really short. It's almost duplicate of the last list I read to you. But I want to read you the uh, average salaries here. They're a little different. Then uh, there's no particular order to it. Okay, supervisor jobs pay seventy two grand a year. Uh, transferable transferable mechanic skills. Communication, and not a strong suit for a lot of us as mechanics. Attention to detail, again, not a strong suit for flat rate technicians. Planning, uh, well, uh, planning, sure, I can plan to not come into work tomorrow. I'm planning on doing that. Uh, Computer proficiency, okay, sure. Uh, Leadership and mechanical drawing skills, what? Leadership out of an automotive technician? Nah, I'm not seeing that. And mechanical drawing skills, nope. Okay, I think that every mechanic I know draws like Napoleon Dynamite draws, which is to say, fucking terrible. The next one up is technician supervisor, 67K a year. Uh, Technician supervisor, this is somebody who obviously supervises technicians. Could be in a repair shop for automobiles or in a a shop where uh, automated machines make uh, components. Attention to detail again. Yeah, okay, possibly leadership. That would be good. That would be a good skill to have if you're a supervisor. Problem solving. Yeah, problem solving. If you're going to be a manager or a supervisor of some sort or a foreman, you're going to want to have some problem solving skills. Empathy. Empathy. I don't know how important empathy is. I mean, if you, you know, if you work with people and you like them, yeah, you could certainly have empathy for them. But if you hate them and you do a shitty job, you need to turn that shit off and fucking get them the fuck out the door. You need to have confidence. Confidence is always a good skill to have no matter what fucking job you have. Even if you're just a fucking crazy ass podcaster who barks shit into a microphone at almost midnight on a Monday night. And then there's communication. You need to be able to communicate. It helps if you know the same language. We have that going on in our shop. We have a cleaning crew that speaks mostly Spanish. So when they don't do something, you can't fucking tell them what to do because you don't know how to say it in another language. Aircraft mechanic is on this list here. It says it pays 66K a year. You need, uh, and this is number one on the list for that, but physical strength. Who knew? Organizational skills, that would be uh, very helpful. Mechanical skills, that would definitely be a plus. Dexterity, yeah, okay. Customer service skills. Well, if I'm an aircraft mechanic, I don't think I really need to sell my skills to uh, to someone and, and in a customer service type of a way. I can either fix their shit or I can't. If they need it fixed, I can do it. If they don't want it done or if they don't like me or whatever, And then attention to detail, I think, is definitely very important for an aircraft mechanic. Next up on the list is diagnostic technicians at 51K a year, which sounds low, written and oral communication. Mathematical skills. Diagnostic technicians come in at 51K a year, sounds low, written and oral communication, sure enough. Mathematical skills, well... I didn't have to uh, do any quadratic equations today, so mathematical skill is really not something I need to have. Physical strength, uh, I need I need the strength to keep from killing some of the people I work with. Critical thinking, yes, definitely, that would be good. And problem-solving skills. I think all of you out there have problem-solving skills. Some of you have better problem-solving skills than others. The next one is entrepreneur, auto repair shop owner. 
It says you only make 50K a year. Well, if that was true, nobody would want to fucking do it because it's a hell of a lot of work to do, boys and girls. And you know what? Honestly, let me just take a second to say this to you. If you're working for somebody and you're tired of watching them collect the uh, money from the customer and it's, you know, 200 plus dollars an hour and it's three, four, five hours and you did the repair in 16 minutes and you got paid uh, 40 bucks and they got paid, you know, anywhere from 800 to 1200 to $2,000, you're going to have to scratch your head a little bit and go, why the fuck don't I do that? Well, that's the question. Why the fuck don't you do that? You could certainly go into business for yourself. Do you need to be the best businessman there ever was? No, you're going to have to learn things. Here's some of the things you're going to have to learn to be an auto repair shop owner. You're going to have to learn how to communicate. That's important. You're going to have to learn how to problem solve. You're going to have to have knowledge of automobiles. You probably already have that in spades. Customer service. Customer service is is going to is going to get you through. Leadership and computer computer proficiency skills. It's all important shit. I don't want to discourage anybody from opening their own shop. I don't want to do that. It's tough. It's hard work, but it can be very, very rewarding. There's parts of it that are going to suck, and there's parts of it that are going to be great. And you know what? You never know what the fuck is going to happen, okay? Because there's a lot of places that ended up franchising and now have more than one location and more than one person that works for them and actually can farm out some of the things that they need that they used to do themselves by hiring a general manager or a manager or an accountant or a controller or HR people, whatever. You know, if you get big, you're going to have to have other people do some of that shit for you. Just don't forget us, the little people at the bottom of the totem pole, okay? We're the ones who actually turn the wrenches and create the labor out of fucking thin air, all right? All right, college. The next one up is college lecturer, which means you go around to colleges and you lecture. And that, it says here, is a very good job to move into from after being an auto mechanic. Now, I don't, I, I don't, I think it's a little silly myself. It says it pays 49K a year. Uh, it's, you would definitely want to have, and this is what it says here, you want to have expert communication skills, you think? You also need to have patience. Well, that rules your Uncle Jimmy out. Leadership, planning, and organizational skills. Uh, as a co- I don't, I don't think I anybody has ever gone from being an auto mechanic to being a college lecturer. I'm not sure. It's almost like a joke, really. Uh, if you were a lecturer, a, a college lecturer, you would probably be a professor, and you would have to to demonstrate to that college that you have you are an expert in the field at which you are going to be teaching and you should have some sort of degree and possibly a teaching degree and not just an automotive degree because I think a lot of us have a degree in automotive repairs or automotive systems or even service managing these kinds of things here where you got an associate's degree or a bachelor's even but for the most part if you're going to be a professor at a college you're going to have to have some kind of education in actual teaching <laughs> An actual lecturing, so I don't know how how well that fits this particular genre. I think it doesn't. Uh, welders on this list again, and and it says here they make forty nine k a year. Hand eye coordination is necessary. Attention to detail, sure. Steady hands, okay. I think steady hands would kind of go hand in hand with hand eye coordination. Uh, it's just me. Teamwork. Uh, I don't know about teamwork. I don't really want people around when I'm welding. In fact, I would like to get the fuck away from me. And oh, by the way, stay the fuck away from me. Uh, communication skills, sure. You're going to need to have communication skills in all of these jobs, just so you know. Stamina and endurance. Yes. 
because you may have to weld for eight hours a day and that would require stamina. You might even have to weld for 12 hours a day. It would definitely involve stamina. And you know what? It says stamina and endurance. I think that those are actually the same thing. As I said earlier, as far as welding goes, it's the skill that you have to practice. So there's, uh, you have to do that too. So you have to, uh, you have to practice that skill. Okay. Truck drivers on this list as well. 47 K a year, physical stamina. What are you sitting on your ass all day? What kind of stamina does that require? Hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Attention to detail. Eh, okay. Communication skills. Breaker, breaker, one, nine. You got your ears on there. Where's that smoky coming from? Yeah. You got to have some communication skills and problem solving. Like how the fuck am I going to get my trailer back on the road again? I just jackknapped it in the middle of the fucking road. Now here I am picking on truck drivers and I said I, I, I wasn't going to do that, but you know what? I gave in. I'm sorry. I gave in. I think if you're, if you're a successful automotive mechanic and you just don't like doing it anymore, I'm not sure that becoming a truck driver is the best move for you. Maybe it is. Maybe it gets you out of the house, gets you on the road, you get to see things you never see before, go places you've never been before, drop off shit you've never seen before. Who knows? You might love it. You might love it. I just don't feel like it's a, I just don't feel like it's a step up. Okay. I don't feel like it's a, a move in the right direction. Okay. Next one is a maintenance inspector. Yeah. We talked about that one before. You're going to have to have an attention to detail, problem solving skills and critical thinking skills. Sure. You're inspecting stuff. And then at the bottom, it says service technician. Obviously that's what we are already. And they're at the low end of the totem pole, making 44K a year. Physical strength, organizational skills, mechanical skills, dexterity, customer service skills, attention to detail. Yeah, you got to have all that shit. And there's a couple other, there's a couple other things that you should probably add to your resume there. As far as being a service technician goes, you, you need to, you need to know things. You need to know things and you able to, you need to be able to do things. And that little list there didn't really cover any of it. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to put an end to this podcast because I babbled on long enough about this. But let me just say this. There are, and and I've said this before, and I'm just going to keep saying it to you. There are an infinite number of jobs out there in an infinite number of genres. And you need to just check it out. That's all you need to do. You might be one of these people who just hates other people. And you might get a job working for uh, the U.S. Forestry Department or working in a in, in a place that's really super remote, like the Yukon or in Alaska somewhere where you don't have to see or talk to people literally ever. And that might be perfect for you. So you really, as an automotive technician, somebody who's kind of thinking about just getting the fuck out of the business, you got to think about what you like and what you want out of life and what you would want to do in the ultimate situation for you. And then seek that out. I have often said that there are many jobs that I would love to have. And even if they didn't pay that well, I would love that job so much that I would almost do it for free. Now, I happen to love being an auto mechanic. There's passion there. I don't know. I think there's something wrong with my brain. I never really matured much past the age of 19. I think it has a lot. I think it has a lot to do with a lot of things. And it makes makes a lot of sense now that you think about it, doesn't it? That's right. It does. Uh, I just feel like I'm fucking 19 years old and I just go to work and then that's all I do. I don't have anything else going on in my life at all. Nothing, nothing. And I fucking love it that way. I'm out here bombing around the fucking city of Austin, Texas in an old 68 Cutlass, pissing people off, high beaming the fuck out of them with my four high beams, fucking making my four barrels howl, listening to surf music, driving all over the fucking place. Fuck, I'm just a child. So I would have to find something that, that appealed to me. And it might not appeal to you. So this is a small list, and it's kind of a stupid list, actually. 
Okay, because some of these things are not really they're not they're not doable and they're not they're not things that you should aspire to. You need to aspire to do something that you love because you know the old saying, it's a cliche, and I apologize for banging on you with cliches, but if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. It's true. It's very true. If you love what you do, it's not gonna seem like work. Okay. You may want to work on a boat, you may want to somehow find a job where all you do all day long is fish. You might want to be a taste tester at Jack Daniels Distillery. You could aspire to do that. Somebody somewhere is probably doing that. You could make your own tequila. You could make fireworks. You could, you know, I mean, literally, you could do anything you want to do. The sky's the fucking limit, and there are probably jobs open doing it. So look around. Get on Indeed. Indeed might suck at making articles about our profession, but they do a pretty good job of listing ads for jobs that are out there. I mean, the, the sky is really the honest God limit, and I want you to look, okay? Because if this profession treats you like shit, if, if where you work as a mechanic, if where you are as an automotive technician, and where you are as whatever profession you really have going on and you're listening to this, you need to decide for yourself if you're happy doing what you do and you can continue to tolerate it, or if it's pushing your buttons, and it's got about three more buttons to push, and that's it. You're fucking done. Look around. Start looking around now. Perfect job may fall into your lap. Happened to my sister. She just she just at one point decided she did not want to deal with the people she was working for, and she quit her job. And she took about a month, maybe a month and a half off, and she started looking around on Craigslist, and she found a job that was perfect for her. And when she rolled in on them, and let her let those people know what her skills were as far as sales in that particular uh, genre of an industry that she was in. They were like stunned that somebody was out there available with all these skills and all this training and all this experience. And they hired her on the spot. And so they were extremely happy to have her work for them. And she was extremely happy to work for them. So remember, your 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 perfect perfect job may be lurking out there somewhere regardless of what it is get out there and fucking look for it don't just roll into work every day in the usual manner saying that everything sucks and you wish you were dead get the fuck out of there and live your life brother all right all right that's enough for your uncle jimmy i hope i haven't scared anybody off from the automotive industry but then again i'm kind of hoping i did all right all right because it works that way you know you might like it and you might want to do it you might hate it and you might want to stop fucking doing it if you do, start looking around. All right, all right. It's your Uncle Jimmy. It's time to sign off. He says, see ya.